0: everybody, welcome to another edition of After Further Review with Mark Ferreira and John Pelkey. Jeff Taylor on the board. Our good friend Derek Abbott, former college football quarterback, Coast Guard Academy coach with us uh, from the beginning of the show. It's good to have Derek here, but before we get to anything, we have to address the lack of a Friday show. And I have to take full responsibility for that because my internet for two days was up and down. It was down for like six hours, and then it'd be up for a half an hour. I don't know if they were doing something, but uh, Spectrum, who I actually made a really nice bit of coin doing a commercial for them, so I'm not going to trash them too much. I'm just going to say they had a difficult weekend, and the reason I bring it up is because we failed to—we did not have the opportunity, I should say, to wish Mark Ferreira a happy 73rd birthday on Friday. Happy birthday, old man. Shouldn't you be retired? Oh, wait, you are. Thank, thank you very much. Yes,
1: I am. I have been. I, I decided to grow the beer out just a little bit to uh, to look more my age of 73. So uh, thank you. It was a great on. day. We had, we had a great time. John Pelkey and Riley Claremont, my two good friends, contributed uh, some funny moments to a huge video that my children produced for me. 25 minutes plus an original seven-minute song. It's unbelievable what they wow. did. And uh, and uh, there were like 31 different uh, testimonials that they got. They got Dave Azar, for crying out loud, uh, who was my first co-host at the ESPN Club. Former Nickelodeon Mar- television star Dave Azar. Slime was Time Live one. host. Live. You, you probably watched Slime Time Live. Derek, do you remember that show or not? You're probably too young for it.
2: No, no. I was I was definitely uh, around for that. Do I, I <laughs> you
1: remember Dave Azar?
2: Oh, yeah, I do. Absolutely. I went on set with, uh, with he and my dad. Right. I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. See, that's
1: pretty cool. So it was that's it was awesome. a great time. Uh, birthday was a great time. Chesapeake Bay. I, I did kayak two different days. We had an inlet that came right to the house that would go out to the river. The river begins with a P. It's an it's an old uh, indigenous people's uh, name. I'm not sure what the name is. And it. Oh, uh, is it the What's Pawtuxet that? The Pawtuxet River? Pawtuxet, I think is is absolutely right. And uh, it's it's there are three lower peninsulas in Virginia. We were in the middle one. And we we uh actually kayaked across the entire river to the edge of the Chesapeake. Which, you must have been terrified. You're afraid of everything. You must have I, been terrified. I was very ter- I was very terrified uh for a while. Okay. I was cuz we I did when we did the river one it was October 1st so I'm thinking to myself I'm not going to make it. Not going to make it to my to my birthday, so uh, but but then the next day we just uh, explored the in, inlets, and that All was right. a lot of fun. so uh, great time, great weekend, and uh glad to be yep. back though, sad about the 49ers who can't beat a, a team that is you know
0: putting practice literally practice squad wide receivers out there. The, both of those night. teams were putting practice squad players out there. My goodness. It's just horrible. Yeah. All right. We, we, we'll, we'll talk more about your birthday. I, 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 I misspoke. You're not 73. You're entering your, 70, your, uh, your seventh decade. So I just, you know, I was assured there'd be no math. Um, yeah. but we want to get to football. Now that you brought it up, we have our good friend Derek Abbott here. Derek, thank you, as always, for joining us. Is it time that we break up the Buffalo Bills? I think that's the question we all have. They, they're probably the happiest surprise of this season. I want to get your opinion, Derek, as a former quarterback, about Josh Allen, because there was as much criticism of drafting of Josh Allen as we see for just about any first-round quarterback. What's your assessment of them right now, and are we
2: overvaluing them? Well, I think that there's a lot to unpack with the Bills uh, and their early success. Some of the things that they've been doing offensively schematically – um, have really uh, helped Josh Allen, especially in the uh, accuracy department, which was one of the biggest um, criticisms of him coming out of college. And, and every now and then you would have that typical Josh Allen play where he th- throws it into the third row of the stands on a simple flat route or something like that. But you're not seeing as many of those uh, Josh Allen types of plays. Um, when you kind of look at some of the tape just schematically um, – that they are doing some, some things that that now they're understanding how teams are trying to play them. So where it might be, you know, they're going to play some, some match coverage where it essentially it's a zone and a man type concept. And, you know, a safety will look and say, okay, the receiver goes past 10 yards. He's my guy. I have the number two. Well, they're doing some of um, similar to like the Kyle Shanahan type offenses, where they're now breaking rules um, of defenses and, and putting them in a bad space. And it also, you know, with, with the addition of Stefan Diggs has really made a difference. Yeah,
0: and that, that was a uh, – I'm sorry, Math. Mark, I'll let you take the question. But they were they were kind of criticized for picking up Diggs as well, and he has been a monster. Mark? No, that that's no doubt about it. Uh,
1: Stephon Diggs has made a huge difference with the Bills and obviously has made a huge difference <laughs> not being around with the Vikings, oh, by the way, even though they did pick up a win yesterday. Buffalo has done this occasionally in the past, Eric. They have started out – Pretty quick. The last time they were four and zero was twelve years ago, but still, that's oh eight. That's still a good fifteen years after their run that they had. Uh, how can they sustain this? And in your opinion, can they not only to get to the playoffs because I think they'll probably they're certainly in good position now, but to 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 go deep at all to even win a game? How can they
2: sustain this kind of a uh, success? Well, I think that the the evolution of Josh Allen is going to be key. They have a stout <clears balance throat> defense. Um, that can keep them in games and it also enables them to be a little bit more aggressive on the offensive end that, you know, you're able to take more shot plays and, um, and, and things of that nature. When you have a defense that, you know, that has your back in that case, um, some of the different things, I mean, just offensively going back to the whole Josh Allen thing, like their receivers are running open. You go watch the tape the I mean, open the definition of open in the NFL is certainly different than it is in college, you know, one yard, Difference between the receiver and a DB is technically wide open in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You get digs that's getting two, three yards open, and it, like I said, accuracy is, has been a huge thing for Allen too. Where a lot of these passes aren't as difficult uh, to complete as well. Um, they also play in a favorable, favorable division, um, whether Cam Newton has COVID or not. <laughs> <laughs> be better, but they do play in a favorable favorable division and um as well as you know the the way that they're playing later in games much more aggressive you saw it in the fourth quarter uh they put the ball in josh allen's hands and said go win this game for us they didn't try and run the clock out they didn't get conservative like what you have seen in the bills in the past and almost what you saw the week before with the rams so you can kind of see that evolution of them taking that saying here josh allen we're turning these over to you and you win this for us my only concern for them would be moving forward in Buffalo, and
0: we all—I think we've all been there—and I've spent more time there than I care to admit. Uh, as the season progresses, the weather's going to get worse up there, and they're—they're they're running. I think what is it, ninety-three yards a game? I believe is what as how what their average rushing is. Um, are, do you, are you in agreement with me? I think they're going to have to start running the football better as they get
2: deeper into the season. I mean, that's that's usually the thought. Um, that you have to be able to run the the football in August, or in August, I'm sorry, December and January, um, especially in a place like Buffalo. But you kind of saw that trend not go as far um, to having to run the ball with a team like Kansas City that they still aired it out when they had to play Houston, when they played Tennessee in colder weather. Um, So I I don't know that that's completely true, but uh, it remains to be seen.
0: To your point, uh, Josh Allen, Mark, before we get uh, up, over 70% in his completion percentage is what you what you like to see, and I think that's surprising to people. And Mark, to Derek's point, Josh Allen came from cold-weather program in college. He's used to throwing the ball. It's not like he's a guy coming out of Miami or Florida State or Texas.
2: Also- or UCLA,
1: which was
0: the other Josh that came out that same year. Yeah,
2: <laughs> the, the strong arm aspect of it also helps, too. That's the evaluation and scouting process. You know, when you're a team like Buffalo or Pittsburgh or or Northern team, you obviously take that into consideration of, hey, you know, can this guy throw through difficult weather? Can he throw through the snow, the wind, the rain, and all those kinds of things?
0: Well, he's got a
1: cannon, there's no doubt. Yep, that's great. It's great to see. It's great to see the Bills' success. Uh, Another team that's surprising in the AFC, Derek, uh, are the Colts. And it's not necessarily because of their offense, although Phillip Rivers is uh, certainly – doing very well with a completion percentage. It's really their defense. If I'm not mistaken, they're leading the league in that, and they've got a brand-new coordinator out there. Have you looked at that defense
2: and what makes them special and maybe even dangerous? Well, DeForest Buckner, that's where it starts. Um, Them being able to get pressure with only four guys is – the the main focus of that defense it allows them to play some different types of coverages on the back end whether even though it may be simple whether they're just playing you know cover two cover four cover three or cover one whatever they they can they can use a wide variety of those different coverages typically when a when an offensive coordinator sees two hot two high, too high uh, safeties he's thinking oh I can run the I can run the ball there's a light box. Problem is is that now that there is a stout defensive line that is preventing you from running the football, and and DeForest Buckner has really, really helped that, as well as probably the most underrated linebacker in the NFL in, in Darius Leonard. Should, uh, illustrative to
0: point out, though, that their wins have come over the Vikings, Jets, and Bears, which have had some problems offensively, clearly. And let's pump the brakes on Nick Foles as a first ballot Hall of Famer after, uh, two weeks ago when we thought he was great. Uh, the, the, my only concern with Philip Rivers and Philip Rivers is one of those guys. It, it, for me, uh, I, I like a lot about Philip Rivers, but he, he has. Lacked being money in big football games at times. His teams have underperformed a lot in big football games. Turnovers have always been an issue. Four touchdowns, three interceptions on the league. Two questions, Derek. He obviously has to cut down on that percentage of touchdowns to interceptions. But also, wouldn't you like to see more scoring out of the passing game?
2: Well, sure, obviously, everybody would like to see more scoring out of the passing game. But but I think that Phillip Rivers doesn't have to win you the football game. They have a really good back in Jonathan Taylor. Uh, that's a rookie that was super productive at Wisconsin. And then they also have a great offensive line, which they seem like they do. I'm telling you, Andrew Luck is somewhere going, where was this team when I when I played a couple of years ago? But, uh, I don't know that, that you know, Phillip Rivers needs to take over necessarily and win a game. I think that he just needs to be able to kind of manage the game. And his throwing motion is still an anomaly to me. Um, but all he has to do is not turn the ball over, Because I think that they're a very, very boring football team that will win grind out and win games. Well,
1: and because we don't know really where Tennessee is and uh, they're not going to play this week because of uh, the Coronavirus infections on the team and so forth are they're, they're gonna play later on this month. We don't know exactly what this team is about, but I would say the South is almost more favorable than the East in the AFC. So the Indianapolis Colts have a have a pretty good road, I think. It, it's it's remarkable. Houston's probably another surprise that we should look at, but we're not going to today, uh, at 0-4. And then Jacksonville is Jacksonville. I think uh, I think the Colts have a legitimate shot. At making the playoffs, which again, I think they they made the playoffs two years ago. Yeah, that's the thing we we keep forgetting this. We you know we we keep forgetting that the Cowboys made the had were twelve and four two years ago. Mm -hmm. That uh, San Diego was twelve and four two years ago. Uh, So, do you see them making the playoffs
2: more than likely, Derek, at this point at the quarter (laughs) pole? At the quarter pole. Well, I think it's going to depend between them and Tennessee. I mean, it's going to come down to that that head-to-head matchup, they might split and then Indy might have a more favorable schedule and win out that division um, just because of the win-loss. But yeah, I I definitely see them as a playoff team. If not, I I forget how the the playoff bracket works this year, but they might be one of the lower seeds that get in or they might win the division. I think uh, it's literally
1: one team gets the – there's seven teams now instead of six, Mm -hmm. and one team gets the bye, and everyone else has to play that first weekend.
0: So, All right, let's jump. Before we – you mentioned the Dallas Cowboys, which hurts me uh, always. Um, and But we are going to talk about them because we can talk negatively about them, which I always enjoy. But I want to jump to another team surprising. Um, I'm surprised, actually, they're surprising because the Cleveland Browns got a lot of love coming into this season. And then opening up with the loss to Baltimore, only putting six points on the board, we do what we always do, mm-hmm. which is we overreact. But now they've run three straight – uh baker mayfield looking pretty good though i would say his his completion percentage is in the low 60s now and again i you'd like to see up around 70 percent for them but they're rushing the ball very well over 200 yards a game what do you see from um from cleveland again victories over the bengals the washington football team and a dallas team that's a tire fire but uh to me the eye test with cleveland is that they may be uh Perhaps people were right about them, and they are a playoff-caliber team.
2: Well, I think that they're getting to what Kevin Stefanski wants to do offensively and figuring out their identity. Running the football with, hopefully Nick Chubb doesn't have any a serious injury, uh, but Kareem Hunt is definitely a super backup and, and a former starter that led the league in rushing at one point yeah. uh, with Kansas City. So that's a pretty good fallback plan. Uh, really relying on the run. They do have one of the better offensive lines in the league. Um, so if when you average that amount of yardage uh, per rush, so you're just going to gash a, a football team really drawing out the clock and then using the play action and boot series. Um, very, very similar to the way that Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo operate. So you're not asking your quarterback to necessarily win the game. You're asking him to put the, put the ball in the hands of your playmakers and, and doing it effectively at a high percentage. So you get guys like Austin Hooper, uh, you obviously saw Odell Beckham explode last night, uh, or afternoon, and you have Jarvis Landers. So you have the weapons on the perimeter, and you have the backfield with the offensive line. So you're asking less of Baker and more out of the other 10 guys out of the field. Their defense is a question. Obviously, yeah. most Garrett is extremely talented and, and good as a pass rusher, but their back end is concerning as well. Should point well, yeah, out that they, Chubb
0: uh, just—it came, it came down on the wire. This was an hour ago. CBS Sports. He's expected to miss six weeks hmm. of the season. I don't know if they have a bye week in there, but so a minimum of five games, which is which is which is tough. But to to Derek's point, Mark, they have a little depth at running back, thankfully.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, having Kareem Hunt back there, they didn't miss a beat yesterday. That he, that's. That was a great pickup for the Cleveland Browns, uh, in my opinion, because you're right. He was he was a star. He was a star running back or an emerging star uh, before all of his troubles in Kansas City. So they have two games where they've given up more than 35 points. Uh, what do they have to do to shore up the defense? Is it just inexperience? Is it just playing together? Or do they need to get, you know, somehow trade or somehow pick up someone? that can help them personnel wise, or are they just going to have to get in shootouts with everyone.
2: Well, I don't know that shootouts are exactly what they want to do. They have the firepower to do it, um, but it's just not uh, like offensively. I don't think that that's the way that they want to operate. I don't know that you want Baker Mayfield sitting back there and throwing the ball 40, 50 times a game. I don't know that that plays well into what they do. Um, offensively, just controlling the football to keep your defense off of the field. So sometimes your offense is your best defense. Um, and then really like just getting trying to get their pass rush going and getting more continuity on the back end. And, and really kind of like what, Indy, what I was saying with Indy is that, you know, you, you can control the line of scrimmage with your front four. And that really, really helps the the secondary yeah. and, and what they can do um, coverage wise. So really like to see maybe Miles Garrett kind of turn it up a little bit and maybe their, their defensive line start to play a little bit better. And I think they have Indy this week, actually. That is a
0: really, really good early season AFC game between a couple of teams to our point that uh, are look like they're trending in the right direction. But we shall see. All right. Let's jump to the uh, the tire fire. That is the Dallas Cowboys um, losing to the aforementioned Cleveland Browns yesterday. Um, it, Dak Prescott isn't obviously is not the problem. 68% on his completion percentage, nine touchdowns, three interceptions every day. Somebody says, wow, look, he's on track to throw for, you know, 167,000 yards Um, defensively. Obviously, they have a lot of problems first year under a new head coach. I know Mike McCarthy's had a lot of success. But it does take time, Derek, you know this as well as anyone, it does take time for a team to gel. But the way Dallas has uh, been losing football games, just give us your assessment of them, and what do they have to do differently? Did, the, uh, Do they need more balance running and passing, 400 yards passing to a, just around 100 running? Or is is does it really sit in the lap of the defense with the Cowboys at
2: this point? Well, you, you just talked about balance. So in the first game, Zeke Elliott had 22 carries for, I believe, like 90-something yards, 93 yards. In the last two games, he has had 26 carries combined, Um, whether that plays in – I mean, they're still pumping out points. But Zeke Elliott also hasn't had a rush for over 14 yards, I believe. And the one time that he did yesterday, over eight yards, he fumbled. Um, So their biggest concern offensively is their turnovers because not only are they putting – now, obviously, turning over the ball is bad, but when they turn the ball over, they're doing it in minus territory. So they're putting their defense in an awful spot. So I think every metric that can assess defense by this, the worst doubts like franchise history. Um, so obviously, you know, w- when you put your defense in a tough spot like that, you know, it's hard to expect them to perform that they are already struggling. Um, you know, the, 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 he said play as well for the Dallas offense is, I believe the highest in the NFL right now. They're snapping the ball every 19 seconds. Um, the next closest is like Atlanta. That's like at 15, which is ridiculous. So now, now think about it. It's almost like you're in the big 12 where you're running so many plays. And if you turn the ball over, your defense is automatically back out on the field when they just got off of the field. So you're seeing a lot of, not a lot of complimentary football between the two units.
1: That goes to the point too about Dak Prescott is that his numbers are gaudy, yes, but they're gaudy in these comebacks. You you know, there were five series in the beginning of that game where he had a turnover, where he it was three and out, where they he he was missing, missing. You know, they got down thirty-one to fourteen for crying out loud, or thirty-eight to fourteen at some point in time, and and that was oftentimes because of Dak and turnovers. And not playing well. So, yes, he has 254 yards in the fourth quarter. Yes, he had all those yards coming back against the Falcons. But if you continue through your play to help put your team in that hole, I'm not sure you are the quarterback that the statistics say you are. That's just a a, a point off the top. And then with the coaching, you know, I mean, how good really is Mike McCarthy, to, to tell you the truth? He, he He seems like the game has passed him by. He had seemed like the game has passed him by in Green Bay. And then Mike Nolan as the defensive coordinator. I mean, this guy, you know, he had that success with the Ravens, you know, before 9-11, for crying out loud, which is about 1,000 years ago in today's parlance and today's (laughs) looking back on things. And he, you know, they owed each other a favor. It just seems like it's this cronyism. It's not, you know, Jerry Jones wants someone he can control, not someone who would, you know, step up. It just
2: seems like the coaching has a lot to do with it as well. Do you agree? I don't know that the coaching has to do with it. I mean I think it's an organizational thing uh, of just blending. You have this entire new staff coming in, a new system, a new structure. All of it is completely different. And during a year that they didn't have that time during, you know, the summer months <laughs> right. and spring months to, to build continuity, I think that has more to do with it. Um, this is obviously a extremely talented team that, you know, when they when they play, you know, uh football on both ends, um, you know, they, they might be able to pull this – well, I mean, anybody can pull this division off. But but this team, if they play complementary football, um, they, they could be one that explodes and makes a deep playoff run, in my opinion at least. It's just kind of feeling things out, especially on the defensive side, making adjustments. All right. Well,
0: uh, just uh... – Interesting stuff, as always, Derek. We look forward to the two Monday night football games tonight. I feel bad. I, I've said throughout the season that Cam Newton to the Patriots is the best story of the NFL in this short season. It continues to be the best story, but now for the for the wrong reasons, um, I can't see any way. And I'll just get you guys a quick opinion before we let Derek go. I can't see any way New England can go to Kansas City with a backup quarterback and have and have success. I think that's just asking too much of their defense. Would you agree?
2: I I would. I mean, but it is Bill Belichick. So, and you have Brian Horry, who has been in a system for numerous years as Brady's backup. So you might see more of the old Brady schemes and things that they've done with Cam Newton in the last three weeks. So kind of have to not even watch film of Cam Newton the last couple of weeks, and you got to go back and you got to watch tape from him last year because he's – Brian Hoarder is more of a uh, Brady-type quarterback. Um, you know, their defense is going to obviously try and take away at least one player. So now how do you figure doing that? They did a pretty good job of that with Darren Waller the week before, playing some match coverage stuff and, and, and doubling him. Um, but it, it's going to be tough because if you double Tyreek Hill, then you're going to leave Kelsey on wander. Edwards Hilaire out of the backfield, Nicole Hartman. So there's just a lot. I don't know if there's too many weapons um, for for Belichick, but he'll usually find a way. I know Uh, I I don't even want to see it.
1: That's, with, with Cam not being there, it's like, ah, I don't care about this game.
0: Well, and I think I read that Brian Hoyer has lost his last 10 starts. I believe he is the quarterback with the longest consecutive losing starting um uh, loss starts in a row, so that's going to be tough. Atlanta in Green Bay, I predict Atlanta will be up uh, 17 at the half and lose the game by 20 uh, because that's what Atlanta does. Derek, it's always a pleasure. Thanks, man, for uh, for joining us this Monday, and let's just keep doing this because it is it is certainly getting interesting in the NFL. There is absolutely no doubt about that. And let me be the first to say that I believe that Matt Patricia will be the first coach fired in the National Football League. Derek Abbott, thank you so much, my friend. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Good job, dude. You look Good great, stuff. by the way. Good stuff. The best it's, lighting. Yeah, yeah the, I know. It has the best lighting, and even though you have that nice uh I don't have my light ring, on today. Ring I I had to rearrange so I don't have my light on today so I'm looking uh, I'm not looking as good but but I tell you this and we knew it would be this way Mark because of the well uh, lack of preparation during the summer and everything that's gone on but this uh, NFL season is it, it's it's fun sometimes for the wrong reasons but my goodness it is uh it diminished somewhat though to your point by the loss of Cam Newton from New England and, and so certainly we 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 wish him a speedy recovery of of what he's going through but my goodness they they were they were finally i think convincing a lot of people that they were not just going to go away which i think a lot of people thought they would.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt about it although I don't think they're going to win tonight and they'll be two no. they'll be two full games behind the Buffalo Bills in that division. So uh it's going to be an uphill climb for them. And I don't know when Cam will be able to come back in terms of the protocols they have. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a, a long time. But in terms of uh, a couple of other, you know, we, we talked about this game tonight and how they're probably going to go back to the Brady sort of uh, playbook uh, because that's what Hoyer knows and what he comes from. Speaking of Tom Brady, they were down 17 to nothing yesterday against a pretty good Chargers team. Yeah, And I don't think any Tampa Bay uh, team that I've seen in the last, well, maybe since they won the Super Bowl, and even then, frankly, even then, they weren't really built for comebacks with no. Trent Dilfer. Uh They were built to stay in a game because of that amazing defense. But down 17 points, Uh, and even though uh, Brady was partially responsible with a pick six, mm-hmm. uh <clears throat> what he's able to do, and what, and, and what I think he inspires the team to do, I think uh, the Herd did mention this as well today, is that it's that belief. It's that belief that you can just do it. You can come back. And it's not just in in him. It's the rest of the team now because they're playing with this guy that right. is the best comeback quarterback in the history of the game. And that was a great show yesterday. And the fact that they came back from that when they don't play well and they come back and they win a game sort of going away, -hmm. Uh, Five touchdown passes. I think the, I
0: I think the Bucks are going to be, are going to be tough to stop. I really They're going to be a handful. I don't doubt. I, you know, and the, the one thing that I really liked, and let me just say, I think just Justin Herbert has looked terrific. Yes. Um. And, and you know, we've seen this from rookie quarterbacks before. Maybe the tape will catch up with him and everything. But he was a guy very, very highly touted uh, two years ago coming out, and then his uh, the final season in college football was not quite as good. Uh a la Dan Dan Marino. In in some sure. ways, is that sure. he, he his penultimate season in college football was better than his his final season, but he has looked terrific. And what I yeah. thought was really, really uh, real positive for Bucks and Bucks fans was the fact that when they started the comeback, Herbert then would move the Chargers down the field and, and they were, it was, you know, score for score for a bet. And to your point, what I would, what I would have expected from the Jameis Winston led Buccaneers of the last few years would be for them to, to make a little bit of noise late, but then just not, not ever be able to close the deal and that's the difference with Tom Brady and what is a very talented roster I think we're seeing more and more that they have done a nice job in the front in the front office and as much as some people like Jameis and I know you're a fan it just I think what we're seeing now is what a more a more competent quarterback, and again, you're talking about maybe the best of all time. I'm not saying there are a ton of quarterbacks in the NFL that could move in and have this level of success, but that uh, they will not be squandering that talent this season, it seems. He, he threw it mind. to 10 different receivers. Uh, uh, five. Different receivers got touchdowns. I mean, come and on. How many times does Derek bring that up when we talk? We're talking about football in the meeting. It's like, you know, yeah, we're going to take away this guy. But right. when you talk, you talk about Kansas City, the problem with taking away this guy is there are five other this guys to take away. And Tampa Bay is beginning to show a little bit of that, not as explosive, obviously, as Kansas City. And Patrick Mahomes is a different animal from just about everybody else. But uh, do you agree with me about Matt Patricia? Because not only are they underperforming uh, from where they were when Jim Caldwell was there, frankly, um, but he's now also uh, his comment. And I just think this is tone deaf. And I, I think this is the sort of thing. That I've always said, you know, motivating professional athletes to me is a bit of a redundancy. If you're a highly paid professional athlete, you better be self-motivated and you should be. But I think when a guy comes out and says, as he did, you know, well, we had a mess to clean up when we got here and that's what we're working on doing. And somehow passing the buck from the lack of success he's had in season three now. I you just get the sense that this is another one of the Belichick assistants. That does not – he fit better, Belichick. Better assistance. Better yeah, good he, assistance. They fit the Belichick mold, but they're – from whatever reason, and this is not a criticism of Bill Belichick, they're, they're really not coming out of that mold prepared, most of them, to be head coaches.
1: This is the thing I would say to Matt Patricia. You had a 14-point lead yesterday. You had a 20-point lead, lead against the Bears. You had another big lead against the Packers, and you blew them all. Last year, you uh, lost, I don't know, nine games – uh, in the last half of the fourth quarter, so obviously what you inherited was was good enough to give you double digit leads in the fourth quarter a lot last year and three times this year. Yeah, and something about the character of the team, and I hate to be that simplistic, but something about the character of the team can't close it out. They, they're not closers, and I think that's the problem with Matt Patricia. Now he's blaming something else for his inability. To inspire his team to be closers, I think he's right on the right on the, the hottest of seats, and I think Adam Gase, frankly, is on the hottest of seats as well. I don't know which one of those two will get fired first, but I, I yeah, tend I to think, think it's a it's Gase because it, Gase you, you has might. lost
0: the locker room too. I think from every, every yeah. from a lot of reports we've read. You, you might be right. I just think with Matt Patricia, you have a guy in Matthew Stafford, and I know that Matthew Stafford hasn't ever w- really won anything. But I think we all agree that he is a, a, a good quarterback to very good at time quarterback who's been in a bad situation. And I think the lines are really interesting in that respect, whereas Adam Gase has still has a guy who doesn't have a lot of starts under his belt and developing Sam Darnold and. Listen, when you're the head coach, you're not the guy developing. Th- those are the assistance coaches, really, that are developing. So I don't, I think that's overstated. If, the, you know, uh, great, make him your offensive coordinator and let him develop your, your it, head coach, obviously not there for them. But I think, I think the Lions actually have a better roster than the Jets do. And I think they, that's why I think Matt Patricia may be underperforming even more. But the Lions are interesting to me, Mark, because I look back at the history of my, from when I was a kid, started watching the Lions. The Lions are are not like the Bears in that division who never get good quarterbacks. They just don't ever seem to be able to hold, hold on to good quarterbacks. Greg Landry, uh, Gary Danielson, Matthew Stafford. The Lions have had guys that you could win with. In they fact, have. Joe Gibbs wanted to trade Joe Theismann for Gary Danielson and was unable to do it, and thankfully so for Washington football fans at the time. But they... When you talk about you talk about the the hard to win, or the, it just seems that there's a culture there for squandering talent.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I can see
0: that. Billy Sims, I, Barry Sanders as sure. running backs, you know,
1: they're the only they're the only team that had two Hall of Famers retire. Uh, before they were done they quit the team that you know calvin johnson i think will be a hall of famer and obviously barry sanders is and they had lots more in the tank both of those players lots more in the tank and both of the you know both of them just left yeah that says something it it ruined their desire to play it ruined their desire to play yeah there's something pretty bad um systemically with the lions i think there's no doubt about it i also think dan quinn is on the hot seat because you're talking about rosters johnny and Atlanta has perhaps a Hall of Fame quarterback in the backfield. Who knows? Uh, you know they've got a lot of talent,
0: and they more than likely will be zero four after tonight. Yeah, uh, he. Yeah, I. I don't think this is a muscle. I don't think Dan Quinn gets fired if they lose this game because again, you're going to Green Bay. Uh, that's a tough. You know that's a tough ask. If you're going to play the Jets or the Lions for that, and you yeah. lose that, or you're playing them at home, that's a different situation altogether. Yeah, the the hot seat's getting hotter. I agree. I just thought, I, I just thought Matt Patricia's comments, and um, just yeah, uh, another great assistant will probably go on to get the uh, Arkansas job at some point and fail there too. Cause it's- I'm hoping for Flores. I'm hoping he's the one assistant that
1: really uh makes a difference. Also, O'Brien has had some success, obviously too, but not, yeah. you know, not the kind of success anywhere near the kind of success. Bill Belichick right. has no, no one, no coach has had that. But, yeah. um, but O'Brien has had some success, obviously gone to the playoffs. And I think they've even won a game or two in the playoffs. Uh, I'm not sure under him though. And, um and then, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just a, it's, they're just not good, and, <laughs> and 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 Patricia is, you don't, you know, I don't know of anyone that likes a cut of his jib. There's a difference, and there's a difference
0: in there's saying. There's a vibe about year him, one. If he had said year one, look, we, you know, this is the team we inherited. We're gonna, it's gonna take us time to make some changes. Yeah. Absolutely, that's why I always say, even with Mike McCarthy, I, I'm, I'm saying. Uh, pump the brakes a little bit. It, you know, I know there is some question as to how good of a coach he is, but you know, the coaching change means something. Matt Patricia his third year. Shut up, shut up and take some responsibility. If you want your players to take responsibility and you're passing the buck like that, c- coaches will get criticized more for criticizing a player. You know, Bruce Arians got credit for criticizing Tom Brady, which I thought was, yeah. Okay. Cause he's telling everybody on his team. Hey, guess what? Everybody's responsible. Tom Brady took it well, and look what they're doing. But uh, I just, you know, any of those guys could get fired, and I, I wouldn't have a huge I- issue with it. But uh, Matt Patricia, to me, he's leading the pack this weekend. All right. Uh, we got we got way deep into the weeds, and we're going to push through because I know that Mark's entire uh, desire with this show is that we keep it to as close to an hour as possible. Uh, let's do a progressive trivia. We talked all about football, so let's do a baseball progressive trivia, shall we? Fun Looking matchups for- coming up. Yeah, we'll talk about that. It it really is a lot of fun. All right. I spent 16 years in the majors, 10-time All-Star, my career numbers 2.89 ERA, 230-plus wins. I played with Cecil Cooper and Carlton Fisk on a scale of 1 to 10, Mark. How helpful is that final clue? Negative 754.
1: <laughs> oh, it is that's the opposite of helpful. There <laughs> is nothing about that clue. Yes. Joe, who I think is the only one watching right now. Could be. Joe, there's nothing about that clue that is helpful. That's all I can say. No, there is
0: absolutely nothing about that clue that is helpful. All right, let's uh let's go ahead and jump forward in our timeline here. Uh, what did I have up next, Mark? I lost my... Oh, there it is. We're going to talk Major League Baseball. Excellent. Good. Everything was in uh, uh, Everything was in order as I have them written down here. As, as you pointed out, we're moving on to the division round, Mark. We've got some really, really interesting matchups. Houston and Oakland, congratulations to the Oakland A's who had lost... Was it nine, nine consecutive... Series. This series-designing games... Does this open the floodgates for them against the evil empire that is the Houston Astros? I think Dusty Baker and the Astros, despite what uh, what we may be hearing uh, from from players in the press, I think they are relishing this. I, I think it's oh, yeah. fueling them in I mean, every I way. So. I think so as well. They're an
1: under 500 team that is now uh, in the division round and uh i love dusty baker that's the only thing about the astros that i care for at this at this point i mean i liked them back in the day when they were losing fit, you know losing 110 games a year and then building into a world series champion obviously all the news about how they did a lot of that has tainted some things and i don't really care for them the way i used to but i do love i've a huge soft spot for dusty baker uh, but because I have such a soft spot for him and because I know him so well, I'm intimately connected with Dusty Baker. Uh, I know that he is um, a bit of a clam in, in the post season yeah. and uh, he'll win his, he'll, he'll win his fair share of playoff series, mm-hmm. but the furthest he's gotten is the seventh game of a world series. He's never won a championship and he's had opportunities to do that uh, in the past. And he's, he's been the manager of some pretty major chokes and some historic chokes as well, as we know, with the Bartman game. He was the manager of the Cubs at the time. So I don't see the uh, the Astros going that much further. But again, they're running into a team that hasn't had much postseason success either. Right. I mean, the, the A's, I don't know the last time they were in an ALCS. I think it's been a long, long time since they were. I think it may have been against the Yankees in '01. one with the uh, Derek Jeter and the uh, Gianni oh, throw, right? that, that great throw. I, I don't know if that was the ALCS or the ALDS at the time, but they have won a, a couple of series in that time. But you're right, the last nine they haven't. So maybe it opens the floodgates, maybe it doesn't. I just think they're going to lose. Whoever wins this series is going to lose to the winner of the uh, Yankees-Rays yeah.
0: series. You wonder, too, if Oakland, It's if it's one of those things with them that they just, you know, they, they've shot their bolt in that – First series because it's been so long since they've won a series like that. It's really interesting with the shorter with the with the best of three series. It, it's kind of hard to it's equate very, that. Very, very tough. Yeah, it's very tough. Uh, yeah, they were
1: down zero yeah. one. know, they had to play two elimination elimination games.
0: Yeah, and, so they essentially won two elimination games <laughs> as opposed yeah. to you know, and they lost nine straight. So can they parlay that? It's it's been a while since they played, so that that we'll we'll see what happens. But it it is interesting. It comes up uh, in uh, like an hour and a half, actually. That game at least four o'clock today. Yeah, the the nightcap though is is an awfully good series. And my disdain for the New York Yankees, which people need to understand that I like the Yankees when I like it when the Yankees are really good. And then they lose. That makes me happy. The Yankees uh-huh. being bad, there's nothing good about that. You, right. you, know, it's like it's like Dallas being a tire fire. Yeah, it's kind of fun for me, but I, I would I would much prefer the Cowboys to get the number one seed in the playoffs and lose horribly in the first round. That that's what I want. Um, New, New York and Tampa Bay familiar with each other, obviously playing the same same division. Tonight's pitching matchup. Maybe the best pitching matchup you could hope for with Garrett Cole and Blake Snell. Blake Snell is a flipping monster for people yeah. who don't follow the Tampa Bay race. This is this is remarkable. Um, I I agree with you, Mark. I think your uh, your American League representative in the World Series is coming out of this series. How do you see this moving forward? And who do you like in this Cole Snell matchup? Well, I uh and I believe Blake Snell has won a Cy
1: Young and Garrett Cole has finished in the top five a couple of times. And, and it was two was second last year, I believe or yeah. Uh, in 2019. Um, I think it, it is tough because normally pitching wins. And right. I think I'm, I think the Braves are going to get by the Yankees. I do. I think they're going to, they're going to mute the bats. They're, 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 they're going to slow down the bats of the New York Yankees. I think the Yankees could steal one tonight for sure with Cole on the mound. Cole has been, with a after a rough start, he's been pitching lights out really in September and in the first series. So I think uh, I think the Yankees will, you know, it might go five because this is only a five game series. Remember that too, right? So it could go five, but I see the Rays pulling this thing out. I think the Rays are a legitimately, you know, very very good baseball team. And I think the Yankees have the best lineup in I don't know how many years, and they have some good starting pitchers, but they don't have enough. And that's what they're going to need. They have a probably as good a bullpen as the Rays, if not maybe a little bit better. And uh, oftentimes, as we've talked about, that is what portends or doesn't portend postseason success. So. Yeah. I there think the Yankees are going to make it a series. Applicable. I think it's going to be a, a a fun series, but I think the Rays are going to sneak sneak it out.
0: Oddly, they've never met in the postseason, and given the fact that the Rays have, you know, we've we've talked about how they they seem to pop up in the postseason every couple of years, whether people remember that they're in Major League Baseball or not. The series reminds me a little bit, Mark, of the of the Heat and the Lakers, <clears throat> with the Yankees being the Lakers and the and the and uh, Tampa being the uh, being the Heat, and the fact that the. The Rays, and you give Kevin Cash a lot of credit, and we we never uh, cease to give credit to the front office of the Tampa Bay Rays. I think one of the best in baseball, best organization in baseball. But uh, they just seem to be a team, whereas the Yankees seem to be a collection of talent a little more than, than a team. And I know baseball, a little bit different than other sports as far as that, as chemistry is concerned. But Chemistry, and that you just get this sense with Tampa, and you get this a lot in in um, Major League Baseball. You just get a sense that a team just is ju- is peaking at the right time and has the right all of the right um,
1: pieces in, in place. place. Yeah. I know, and and I agree with that. And in terms of names and recognizable stars, I think that comparison is apt between the Lakers and the Heat. But I think the Heat, especially now since they've been injured, even though they had a a, a big win last night. Mm-hmm are obviously undermanned. I don't see yeah. the same thing for the Tampa Bay Rays.
0: Maybe, maybe, maybe it's just name recognition, but it just, it just struck me as that way. All right, let's, uh, before we move on, we will, we are going to talk in our potpourri segment about, uh, about last night's game. Congratulations to the Heat. We didn't think they'd get swept. Um, and uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm happy for a lot of guys uh, on that, on that franchise. J- Jimmy Butler, perhaps with the best postseason
1: NBA performance, maybe in history. It was amazing. There's only been two others that have forty points uh, a forty point triple double yeah it, it's and, amazing you know and and when this came in the series to stave the, all of this off and against all
0: odds is and I kind of I love the way Jimmy fun. Butler's rewritten what people think about him because he yeah, you know he was fun he was moderately highly regarded to now where he is uh, he's he's I've etched himself into as a superstar in my mind all right let's uh, let's do our next set of clues for our progressive. We haven't had any uh, guesses from Joe Conley, so we have to assume that his phone, uh, he's having issues with it or his Internet. (laughs) Spent 16 seasons in the majors, 10-time All-Star, career numbers 289 ERA, 230 wins, uh, plus wins. Played with Cecil Cooper and Carlton Fisk, though forget that. That's not going to help you. I led the league in ERA once. I've pitched a no-hitter. I'm an All-Star game MVP, and I'm in the Hall of Fame. Those, Those should be helpful. Those, those should be a lot more helpful than Cecil Cooper and Carlton Fisk. Yes. Were you, were right. you aware that this guy played with either of those guys at any point? No, in no, okay.
1: although I do I do remember a uh, a cup of coffee with the with, Red Sox. Yeah. 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 So there you uh, go, folks. Here's an mid-70s. extra added clue. Played with
0: Fisk with the Red Sox, with
1: the Red not Sox. the White Sox. So that sort of uh, skews the timeline a little bit. Uh, if we
0: get back to that, uh, we're going to get to the NBA yeah we can we can move we can move right back to the nBA now um as, as it sits at two two to one great win by Miami last night. is this just a bit of an anomaly, or do you think they can parlay this into more success in the series? you know I don't know it's tough it's a tough call because
1: there's something about miami there's something about that team that is uh more resilient and more unexpected than even the nuggets. Which were both of those uh adjectives, I think as well, uh there's something about that and then there's something about LeBron James, you know he's he's been to nine finals now this is a, I think his tenth final, actually, and he's lost six of them they had a two one lead against the against the Mavericks, his first year with the heat, so I think the Lakers on paper, even if Bam comes back tonight or tomorrow night, which I think is expected um. I just think they're out there. They're outmanning the heat. I think they're probably going to win the next two games, but I don't know. There's something, there's something inside of me that says, ah, don't, don't sleep on the heat. Even though they are obviously outmanned at this point, that performance last night, John, we talked about this historical only the third time ever 40 point triple double the other only other two times, LeBron James and Jerry West. And both of those performances were in losses. Oh, by the way. wow! So this is the first time it's ever happened in a win. Yeah. Yeah. I don't uh, know. There's when when something that historical happens, there seem it, it might unlock something. Possibly. I'm not sure. And I, I don't think AD is gonna have sort of a, another sleepwalking game that, that it looked like he had. I think LeBron's gonna take care of the ball more than he did in the fourth quarter. He had four turnovers just in that quarter mm-hmm. and missed all his three pointers. I don't think that's gonna happen again. But who knows? There might be something that's unlocked in the heat because of this
0: historic NBA Finals performance. I want to get your opinion, Jeff, but I will say uh, Brian Windhorst made a great point, and that is that Miami has a plan. They have the people to pull off that plan. The The issue is that their path is relatively narrow because they can't make mistakes. The Lakers can make mistakes and win games. Miami's not going to be able to do that. They're going to have to uh, follow a pretty straight path. But Jeff, you watch probably more NBA than uh, Mark and I combined. Um, last night, a bit of an anomaly. I know. I and, and listen, we, we, we know your love for uh, Miami's head coach. And, Pat, and in fact, you've got a man crush on him. And I can see why at this point. Um, what do you see moving forward from this? Obviously, we can't expect that great of a game out of Jimmy Butler Game in and game out. But how do you see this thing moving forward?
3: Well, I don't know. It's it's confusing me because they were missing two big names in that game. And that left it open for Jimmy Butler to get all of those points, rebounds, and assists. But they had Bam. Uh, I'm sorry. They had Dragic in games one and two. So he's not the difference maker and bam i don't if he comes back does he make a huge difference i don't know they i i, I really just think that the lakers fumbled one and it's going to be 4-1 that's really what i believe i mean the heat are outmatched you can't outcoach how good the lakers are playing right now they've got two superstars and when both of those superstars are playing well they're they're a team that is hard to beat
0: yeah i I, I tend to think that as well. But but I we said this about Miami coming in, though. The Lakers can't sleep on them. Yes, they can obviously, more talented can aff- afford to make more mistakes. But, but uh, you know, Dwight Howard played g- really, really nice in the conference finals. And he hasn't played particularly well up to this point. And to your point, Mark, you know, turnovers in the fourth quarter for LeBron. If you're going to do that good basketball teams are going to beat you and the, the heat are a good basketball team. An- uh,
3: but- another thing quickly too, LeBron James now is going to have more of a chip on his shoulder than he usually does because he caught so much flack for walking off with 10 seconds left to go. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And the, you know, the trash talking between him and Jimmy Butler and all that. So it's, It'll be fun to watch, uh, tomorrow night. That's for sure. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun game.
0: All right. Going to call a bit of an audible and give the final three clues for our progressive trivia. And then I do want to talk a little bit about college football because we had a, we had a fun weekend and uh, we're starting to learn a little bit more about college football. And we've obviously, we found out that some of those West Coast teams are going to come back and play a little ball later, whether they figure into the, National championship, the playoff, that remains to be seen if they're going to have enough time to do that. But it should be interesting. But let's give you a, your final clues. For our progressive trivia, Joe Connolly guessing Joe Necro. That is incorrect. Spent 16 years in major leagues, 10-time All-Star, career numbers 289, 2.89 ERA, excuse me, 230-plus wins. Played with Cecil Cooper and Carlton Fisk, though he was with those guys such a short period of time, he may never have actually met them. I led the league in ERA once. I've pitched a no-hitter and an All-Star Game MVP, and I'm in the Hall of Fame. Final set of clues. All star game stats, 18 innings in the all star game. That's just crazy, goal. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. 2 yeah. 0 uh, with a 0.50 ERA. The NL and Ellen wins once, which surprised me. I thought it might be more than that, but it was a pitcher's era. So uh, I pitched a 15 inning complete game, which I won 1 to nothing, And I went medieval on Johnny Roseboro. That should, that, should give, that should give it away. That's the giveaway.
1: Uh, you know, that All-Star Game statistic is very interesting to me, too, because his teammate, uh, another Hall of Famer, who did not play that well in the postseason, um, had great, unbelievable All-Star Game stats. It's like on the national stage, that was when they had a chance to be on the national stage because this right. was a team that had five Hall of Famers and got to one World Series, and their national stage were the All-Star Games, and that's when they performed. Uh, they didn't perform as well in playoffs, although they only had one divisional playoff in that era and then one World Series. So they only had two postseason series in that, uh, decade plus run for, for that particular team that we, uh, that I haven't even
0: mentioned yet, if you can believe no, it. No, you haven't. Uh, it, it's funny. That's a little Ted Williams like because Ted Williams' most famous yeah. home run is an all star home run. Now, again, that Boston team that he played on generally undermanned. They get the one World Series, but he had a subpar. World Series for people who hate the shift part of the reason was was because they uh, they used the shift on um, on on Ted Williams but he's another guy who uh, you know and those are the guys say what you want and i all of the players that we're talking about I think are great players but uh, you could argue compilers you could argue that about them all right let's uh, let's jump in and talk about college football a little bit uh, not a not not a lot of surprises over the weekend. Your usual suspects: Clemson, Alabama, big wins. Florida continues playing well, though defensively, I still say the Gators have a lot of things they have to button up. Uh, Georgia exposes Auburn, not surprising. Um, the Big Twelve again, Mark. A Texas team that I think people had a lot of love for. I think the Big Twelve played themselves have already played themselves out of any contention in the national championship. I don't think there's anything Oklahoma can do to play themselves back into it, frankly, barring a lot of upsets. Um, Texas as well. Um, it, your takeaways from the weekend in college football, anything that struck you? Well, uh, again, no no real surprises
1: for me. Uh, you know, there's, there's two teams set up in the SEC to go. There's a team in the ACC set up to go. And then who, who, you know, what's going to be the other team? Is it going to be Ohio State? Is it going to be, um, Notre Dame? I, I don't, I don't think it will be. I will say this in the next couple of weeks. I know the Gators play Texas AM, who is a, a, you know, technically a ranked team, but, um, I don't think, I don't think they play any top 10 teams their entire schedule, at least at this point until they face the, uh, until they face, uh, the, the Bulldogs. But Clemson in the next couple of weeks have to play Miami and Notre Dame. Yeah. So that's going to be fun to see. Clemson-Miami is shaping up to be a fun game.
0: I don't know if the Hurricanes can hang in there. Um, but there with but, the Eric King at quarterback, I mean, he is such a difference maker for them. I, I think that's going to give anybody uh, difficulty. And again, I'm just waiting for Trevor Lawrence to be exposed. Uh-huh. I understand that. So Texas AM and I
1: guess is still ranked 24th or 21st even though they got shellacked by Alabama.
0: Um somebody again, making the point, and I just I'm sorry to cut you off. But somebody making the point in game day yesterday about Texas A&M. They they are they're literally the closest team they are the team that is on the cusp of being a blue blood that never ever gets there. Because they're talking about the amount of uh Support they have from alumni. Their facilities are uh, like top five in the country. They get, you know, Jimbo Fisher was a coach that you know, a lot of people would have taken. For whatever reason, they just never seem to put everything together. Um, and they're they, they were playing Alabama this week. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, a good game coming up this week, though. Tennessee and Georgia. That should be pretty fun. Tennessee's off to a decent start. Yeah. Um, they've played. Um, now, who have they played? They've played Missouri and they've played South Carolina. You guys, uh, the Gators beat South Carolina uh,
0: Saturday. Would you beat them by a couple touchdowns? 38 24, something like that. Yeah. And by the way, I misspoke with, with the Texas saying They got shellacked by, uh, uh, Alabama they, was my point. Um, yeah, they played, they played them Saturday. Exactly. So. Sorry. Yeah. My, my, uh, my internet is freezing up a little. I hope I'm not on your end, but I'm the having the first, that. the first fun, uh, SEC matchup,
1: real fun SEC matchup is going to be this, this Saturday with Tennessee going to Georgia. Now, Georgia, uh, didn't look great in their first game out. Do you think they, uh, will have any trouble against the volunteers, Johnny? Uh,
0: uh, they.
1: I know you're not paying attention to me.
0: I know I'm completely paying attention. As I said, my uh, my my thing froze up here, and I I couldn't get I couldn't get onto the next week's schedule. Um, I, you know the the thing about Georgia is that they do have somewhat of an unsettled situation at quarterback. They have a couple of guys battling back and forth at the quarterback position, um, and they. I don't think Tennessee has what it takes to beat them, but I think when you're talking about um, what, what we were talking about in the NBA, I don't think Georgia is talented enough to play poorly and beat good teams. I think they can, and I think they've shown this, they 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 are a bit streaky during games. They go through periods where they, they look like they are a national championship contender, and then there are breakdowns. Uh, for them which just seems to be the story of georgia for how many years now um i think tennessee will give them a game but i don't see georgia uh losing that i think it's going to the sec east more than likely is going to come down to that game in jacksonville later on in the season between florida and georgia um and that's a pick game for me at this point right now because florida's defense is just not buttoned up enough for my tastes um they allowed a, a, a subpar south carolina team to come back on them um so yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see Tennessee. I think Tennessee is a, is trending, and I think they're a good team. Um, and quite possibly, they're one of those SEC teams. If you're going to see an upset during the year, Tennessee might be the team to pull it off, because I think some of the other teams that we we loved, uh, disappointing result by Mississippi State this week. Uh, clearly, um, Kentucky. It, it looks like they peaked last year. Sadly, they never seem to be able to put it together for an extended period. But um, no, I, 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 there's no way I bet. Uh, that Tennessee beats Georgia, it'd be it it would throw the SEC East into a tailspin of some note. Frankly, it's interesting with this coronavirus
1: and the uh, where Notre Dame finds themselves this time around. Their their schedule this year is way easier than it normally is. With as an independent, because they're in the uh, they're in the ACC, yeah, and uh, that's not a strong conference. That is not a strong conference. They're not going to play. You know, they play Clemson. They play Clemson, but I was I misspoke. It's next month. It's November 7th. Ah. And then at the moment, North Carolina is ranked eighth, but no one thinks they're going to stay ranked eighth. By the time they play them at the end of the season, they will have played one top 25 team more than likely. Yeah, You know, they have FSU this weekend. They just played South Florida last weekend, and they played Duke the weekend before. I mean, you know, they're number five because they're Notre Dame, but they have played no one, and they probably won't play anyone outside of Clemson.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, and, and, and Florida state is just their garbage this year. Who, who knows, who who knows what's going to happen there. Are they going to, what are they, they've had three head coaches in like 14 months or something, even less than that. I think it's something, it's just, it's, it's just a mess going on there. But, uh, It'll be interesting. Do you agree with my uh, well, I I didn't really give an opinion on it, but uh, do you agree that it's going to be difficult for any Pac-10, Pac-12, excuse me, to to play themselves into it? I mean, you're going to have to have you're going to have to have two loss SEC teams. I think you're going to have to have. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah.
3: Can I jump in before we move on from Florida State? Uh, Unfortunately, and he'll be in our thoughts. Bobby Bowden has uh, contracted COVID-19.
0: Yeah, he tested and, positive. He was in for an operation. He hasn't shown symptoms, but they do okay, the, the basic test. So fingers crossed that he doesn't. He's
2: asymptomatic. And
3: I, I really and and you know, you guys know I have a personal uh, relationship with the guy, but I think they should bring in Terry Bowden to coach that Florida State team with the name recognition. They may be able to recruit a little better. I, I think that'd be a great idea for them for their what would it be fifth coach. Yeah, yeah.
0: My, actually, people. Uh, and Jeff, you, you'll appreciate this. People are uh, advocating. Uh, Dwayne Haskins has to go. Uh, you, you fire your coach. All these teams that continually uh, switch quarterbacks, and I know that's professional quarterback, but switch quarterbacks and switch coaches—that is no way to find success. You, you, you have to stick with somebody for a while. That said, the lines have stuck with Matt Patricia for too long. Um, but uh, I, I think Florida State. It, it's interesting. That you talk about left in uh, Matt Patricia's comment about being left uh, in a bad situation. Jimbo Fisher left Florida State in a really bad situation.
3: Yeah, you know, I I I, I understand. I, I understand, but I think that you can you you run the risk of becoming not a factor if you if you don't find that guy that can recruit and coach when you're a team like Florida State, and that's what happened with Miami. They stuck with a guy way too long, and they lost credibility, and they haven't been a powerhouse ever since. So Florida State needs to be careful not to become that.
1: Uh, also, with the Pac-12 guys, I don't think. I don't think they're going to qualify. And even if someone goes undefeated, it's only six games, right? I'm not sure yeah, how seven I'm not sure
3: to cut off. I'm, I'm pretty sure I thought I, thought well, I don't seven to qualify to, for the BCS.
0: I don't know that they've made a hard and fast decision on that this year because of everything that's going on from, from what I've heard. It's because there are still people talking about, well, if, you know, if Georgia were to lose a couple, Florida were to lose a couple or be, you know, Alabama or whatever, Clemson, Maybe a, an undefeated Pac-12 team uh, could get, and I, I really think the only one with a shot, to be quite frank, is Oregon because I think they're the only Pac-12 team that's going to be ranked when the uh, when 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 the bowl uh, standings come out. They're they're pushing that back. Um, I think they would be the only one that would be in a position. Don't you agree, Mark? That would be close enough. Well, I think any Pac-12 team goes six and zero. They're gonna, they're gonna be considered. I just don't think that that's enough. Because you got to start I, somewhere, though. And you know, if you start, the whole thing is, if you start <laughs> in the rankings at twenty fifth, y- y- even winning all your games, it's so much more difficult than if you start at sixth. You can lose a game and still end up ranked ahead of him. So i I think it, I think it would be very, very tough. And it's it wouldn't be,
3: it wouldn't be college football if there wasn't some controversy going into their championship. So just I think college football, it's a normalcy.
0: I watched, uh, the college football 150 on ESPN. I don't know if you've had an opportunity to watch that, but it's just history college football and it breaks it down into different things. There's uh, an episode. They're hour long episodes. I think some of them half an hour long episodes, but one recruiting. There's been one on postseason awards and national championships was one of them. And there were a number. They, they walked through how national champions have been decided since the turn of the 20th century. And there were probably as many people as not who are experts saying exactly the same thing. You know, college football is much better. It's better for college football to have those controversies because you have a playoff. They decide who it is, who the winner is, wins the playoff, and then you just move on. It's a little bit like March Madness because once a team wins a national championship, you move on. College football, when those debates about should you know should this have been the national championship? Why wasn't this team in? That's what keeps us talking about it in the off season. <sighs> Right. I, I I
1: think that's fine. I think it's true. It keeps it keeps people talking about it, but it doesn't add to the value of the sport. In my opinion, you need oh, to crown a really- champion. You need to crown ah. a champion that everyone agrees with. That's wow, what it's all wow. about. It's about it, the winning. funny. The, fun,
3: the funny thing is, though, is that there's no way to do it right. There really <laughs> is. There's so much difference in the way everybody competes with everybody it just seems like an impossible task to figure out something outside of having a 64 team. Uh, I think you could,
0: I think if you did it with 16, I think if you did it with a 16 team uh, playoff that no one would really be able to argue that a team that was um, capable of winning the national championship was left out of the playoff. Because I say, I think going into any NCAA season, there were probably 10 or fewer teams that could win, conceivably play for a national championship i know there might be an exception to prove that rule but mark i think i know you agree with me 10 to 12 teams are really the only teams that are in the mix on any given year
1: <clears throat> on any given year pretty much and then there's maybe a wild card team that's And if out. you stretch
0: it to 16 now i think you're outside i think probably your fourteenth, 15th and 16th team aren't really right. going to challenge for the championship but to jeff's point because everybody plays different styles it makes it much more interesting and like the NCAA basketball tournament matchups become really, really important in those situations,
1: and I just think there's been so much that has prohibited college football from doing. To me, what what is the obvious thing to do? I'm not sure why they they have resisted playoffs for so many years. In every other division of college football, in the in the you know the
0: uh, the FCS. Uh they play they 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 have normal playoffs and they did it immediately when those teams when they broke up college football into FBS and FCS FCS teams immediately went to a playoff and it hasn't diminished their popularity at all in fact you see a lot more FCS football on television now than you ever did
1: and it's the proper way to crown a champion that's how you do it you play it off so i think 16 would be great i think even 8 could work you know the top 5 uh, you know, maybe the conference champions and then three wild cards. The thing is that they've done they've they've backed themselves into a corner because they've had so many, you know, um, not get you know just naked money grabs with yeah. all the bowls with the conference championships. You know, they've gotten these naked money grabs, and and if you eliminate the need for a conference championship, which you probably would if you had a sixteen team playoff, because you'd probably take the first answer. two in each conference. No, I exactly. That's my point. And so Too much it, money. It, it remains it remains archaic, college yeah. football. It it's does. It does. There's no other sport that doesn't crown a champion.
0: But again, like, if you that look at it they, can, everyone can agree on. If they consistently, as they seem to, make more money year in and year out, they would argue that they're not archaic, that in fact they're doing exactly the right thing. And I think the, the conference championships, which by the way, tooth and nail. The conference championship games were fought before they came to came to be. Nobody wanted to do those. Uh, And it was the former SEC commissioner. And his name escapes me right now. And I feel bad about that. Um, but he uh, was the main advocate for the SEC championship game, which was the very first one. And if Alabama had not beaten Florida in that initial SEC championship game, which allowed Alabama to go and play for a national <laughs> champion, if Florida right. had upset them, because I think the Gators had a couple of losses going into that game and they were, you know, they were top 10 team, but lower rank, they were not going to go and play that. It would have knocked an SEC team out of that top spot and they wouldn't have yeah. played for a championship, which was the argument the coaches were, you know, why do I have to play one more game? We've gotten through a conference schedule. But then somebody walked in and went, your contracts are going to go from a million to four and a half million dollars a year. And they went, yeah, no, this is an excellent idea. And I think we yeah. should all do it. So yeah. we shall see. All right, let's get the answer to our progressive trivia. We've rambled on too much. Um and the bowl argument is, to me, is no longer an argument because you use the bowls as those playoffs. That's well, obviously. It. And and
1: and this whole argument about, you know, uh, Christmas break and finals and all this stuff. Right. Well, the FCS has no issues with any of that.
0: No, no. And by the way, you're still going to college. Uh, you're going to class seven times more than college basketball players who are playing, you know, two, two and three times a week and middle of, the, you know, that's just ridiculous. And all right, here we go. Just a semester. You know, they'll, you know, yeah. their freshman year and then they're out. Extend Extended guys, uh... Scholarship, so that he can stay in school afterwards if he doesn't go into the NFL and pick up his, his uh, degree. Here we go. Spent 16 years in the major leagues. 10-time All-Star. Career numbers, 2.89 ERA, 230-plus wins. Played with Cecil Cooper and Carlton Fisk. So, no, not helpful. Led the league in ERA once. Have pitched a no-hitter. All-Star Game MVP. And I'm in the Hall of Fame. All-Star Game stats, 18 innings. That was still really, really struck me. Uh, 18 innings pitched a two. Two and zero with a .50 ERA. It would take like literally eleven All Star games for someone to pitch eighteen innings at this point. Uh, led the NL in wins once. Pitched a fifteen inning game, complete game one, which I won one to nothing. Uh, and I went medieval on Johnny Roseboro with a bat. Mark talked about it in his uh, deep dive on the Dodgers and Giants uh, rivalry, and it is of course the great Juan Marichal. So I, I'm going to read you some of these. Um, and, and he uh,
1: he never won a Cy Young. Okay, let me read you some of these uh, statistics for Juan Marichal. All right, he was uh, 18 and 11 with a 3.36 ERA, and that makes sense. Maybe he d- doesn't win that one. He had a um, okay, and then the next year he was 25 and 8 with a 2.41 ERA, did not win it he was 21 and 8 the next year 2.48 22 and 13 2.13 <laughs> 25 and 6 he was 25 and 6 <laughs> with a 2.23 ERA uh had 14 wins in 67 and then in 68 wins 26 goes 26 and 9 with a 2.43 ERA it's because he pitched in the same era as right. Bob Gibson and
0: Sandy Koufax well Ted Williams hit over four hundred and didn't win the MVP because he did it in the same season that Joe DiMaggio had a fifty-six game hitting streak, and yep. so yeah, it, yeah. You look at Marichal's statistics, and it is really, really remarkable to see that uh, that he, he that he never won a Cy Young. It, it, it is remarkable, but uh, the Roseboro incident is uh, is still one of the one of the ugly marks on his career, and one that he, he never able to get away from because you hit a guy with a bat. Yeah, in that's kind of, yeah, that's sort of, you know, drop hard, the bat, take a swing, hard throw to come the back helmet. Yeah. Yes, you throw the helmet, it's hard to come, come back, back from that. It really is difficult to come back from that. And uh, still to this day, people disputing the reasons behind all of it and what happened, which makes yeah. it very interesting. Before we get out of here, um, I do because Jeff brought up the Terry Bowden situation. Mark, you and I know Terry actually quite well too. He used to do a show from. The club talked to him a lot. One of my favorite people, uh, believe, uh, you know, could have won a national championship at Auburn had they not been on uh, probation that year. Still one of the great coaching jobs of all time. And talk about a team that parlayed, as we talked about Houston, parlayed a chip on their shoulder into, into being one hell of a football yeah. team. That Auburn team certainly did it. And Terry deserves credit there. He had uh, success with Akron as well. It, it, he's far enough removed um, from replacing his father, which I completely understand. You don't want to be the guy to replace the guy starting there. And you sure as hell don't want to be named Bowden replacing Bobby Bowden to your uh, in your mind, Mark. W- would that be a good move? Would you if you were Terry Bowden, would you consider going to Florida State or given where they seem to sit right now? Talent wise, uh organizationally within that 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 athletic department there seem to be some things that uh that are, people are not firing on all cylinders. Would you think that Terry Bowden would consider taking that job at this point?
1: I mean, I think he would take it in a heartbeat. I think really? he would. I I don't think he's going to be offered it. I think, you know, his record I. at his ac- record at Akron is 35 and 52. It's not very stellar at all. He had a nice record
0: at Auburn. But you're at
1: Akron. Thing. I mean, you know,
0: you're, you are. You're, you're recruiting against a lot of really, really big schools when you're at a smaller school in Ohio. I mean, that, that there's there's no doubt about that. Uh,
1: but at the same time, you're competing against, you know, Ohio,
0: Kent State, Bowling Green State. You are so dismissive of small schools. I mean, it just it's it's it it's venomous. Just coming across your lips. When you mention any school that's not a power five conference, Massachusetts.
3: You're recruiting to Akron, though. You're saying to these kids, come play for me at Akron.
1: Right. You don't you don't want to go to Kent State. You know what happened there. Come to Akron. Jack Lambert. None of these
3: kids remember what happened there. When you're sitting down on the couch, yeah. When you're sitting down on the couch and recruit to recruit them to Kent State, that's the last thing on their mind.
0: Yeah, yeah, but hey guys, they really listen, I know, I know you're being recruited. I know you're being recruited by uh by Kent State, but honestly, I mean, they're they're protesting the the Vietnam War and shooting people.
3: Have you um, never heard of, of Crosby to, Still Fashion Young?
0: Vietnam War's been over for 45 years essentially. Yeah, still. That's that residual stuff going on up there.
3: Smell the Toledo.
1: Really? The, the you don't think Akron to Toledo. Has, a, has a recruiting edge over Toledo?
3: They the don't. Rockets. That's the problem. No, they, they really don't actually. Toledo's Big problem.
1: Yeah. Or Ball State. Now, Northern Illinois has a little credibility. There's no doubt about it. Northern Illinois. but And Central, Eastern, or Western Michigan, I know every now and then they're okay. But, I mean, come on.
3: You know, I spent a couple uh, months on the campus of Northern (laughs) Illinois University, and uh, it was cold.
1: It is cold. Yeah, that was – wasn't that um, – what's his name?
0: Kurt Warner. Was he Northern Illinois? Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa. Northern uh, Iowa. Even more nondescript. Exactly. By the exactly. way, the flyover states, uh, before we get out, the flyover states did not do well in the Major League Baseball uh, playoff situation. Every National League Central and every American League Central team lost in the first round.
3: You know, right. this has been pointed out to me, and I'm sure it's been pointed out to you guys as well. Miami has never lost a playoff I know.
1: series. Ever. No, I know. They, they've they been in two other they they made the postseason two other times in 97 and 03 and they they obviously won the world series in both of those so uh, again the chicago cubs got florida marlins this, yeah. this uh, last time because the, they come out of nowhere both those times in 97 and in and in 03 they were wild card teams and in 03 they were i don't know 18 games under 500 when jack McKeon took over and so they came out of nowhere and won the world series in 97 that's the year they completely bought that team with Bobby Bonilla and with um, uh, Kevin, Kevin was as Kevin Green, oh, Kevin, Brown. It? Kevin Brown, Kevin Brown. There you go. Kevin Brown. I think they had a uh, Moises Alou that year. Yeah, they did. Yeah. In 97. I think they had Gary Sheffield that year. They just bought a bunch of guys, Yep. but they still didn't, they, they still just got in through the wild card and then they beat the Giants because they had really good pitching. And then they had that playoff series with the Braves where Eric Gregg gave gave every pitch that the Marlins, didn't matter where it was, it strike. would be a strike. And strike the Braves, zone was
0: dugout to dugout and press box to ground. I mean, literally, wherever the pitch was, there were pitches so far outside the catcher couldn't get them, and they were called strikes. For God's sake! And then they played
1: the Cleveland Indians, which, of course, are you know haven't won a World Series since 1948, I think, mm-hmm. and um, since Dewey defeated Truman exactly. And uh, you know, then they that went to seven games. That was a, a extra inning, seventh inning affair. So we'll see. The, the Marlins are tricky. I, I, you know, they they now play They'd
0: the uh, they now play the Braves. Yep. So we'll, see what, there. we'll see what happens. Whose postseason history? Whose postseason history is otherwise? Frankly,
3: I, I will go out on a limb and say that Sixto Sanchez wins both of his games. So uh, the other pitchers have to win a couple too.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I. Well,
1: and we didn't even talk about the Braves because the Braves hadn't won a postseason series since uh, 2001.
0: John. Right, that's why I say the the Braves are. Uh, it's almost their, twenty years. Their postseason, even in their glory years, their post they underperformed. I think everyone would agree, walking away yes. with only one World Series in that situation, and beaten by teams that I think we all agree were not as certainly weren't as talented pitching wise, because nobody was as talented pitching wise. Um, David Lowe, by the way, uh, noted uh, orthodontist, Rolling Stones expert, actor. And Chicago Cubs fan. Uh, the Bartman game was against the Marlins and, uh, can't, can't, can't play Bartman this time. Absolutely true. But I just think you're right, Mark. They got Marlins. You don't want to see the Marlins in the playoffs. The Cubs have gotten Marlins before and they got, you know, that was 03. The Giants
1: got Marlins both of those years. And Atlanta, as you pointed out. In 97, yeah, in Atlanta in, in 97. So we'll see what happens. Uh, the Dodgers and the Padres play. That should be decent series. I think the Padres have given them as as tough a time as any other team uh, in Major League Baseball this year. We'll see if they can hang in. I don't think they will.
0: And I always yeah. think that it's – I mentioned this before, Mark. I always think it's bad to meet a division rival in, in, a, in, uh, in these series because these are the teams that know you the best. Yeah. The teams well, that are <laughs> used to you. There's no mythology right. to it. It's the Rays and the Yankees. It's the Padres and the Dodgers. Yeah.
1: It's the Marlins and the Braves. And it's the Astros and the A's. So every one of these series are divisional yeah. matchups. You know because why? There's, there's no central A.
0: There's no central teams. That's why. Because, because the mid middle of the country did not hold up its end yet again. Yeah. All right. So there it is. The flyover states. You're not holding up your end. We're going we're, we're gonna to keep flying over you until you hold up your end, guys. You just had to not. You could have you knocked out one of these teams, and we wouldn't be, we wouldn't be subjected to this. We will say this though: one flyover team. We are very happy
1: that lost they saved baseball. The, the San Diego Padres it saved Major League, League, League Baseball. League. Yeah. They did. I'm, 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 I'm telling you, they did. We did not need another Cardinals, uh, you know, run in the playoffs when they were clearly not a very good team. We have liked the Cardinals in the past. We sure. talked about two people who have um passed away in the last couple of months: Lou Brock and Bob Gibson. Those '60s Cardinals. It was a it was cool to be a Cardinals fan back then, yeah. but now no, the Padres already down one nothing. Mm-hmm. Came back in both of those games, if I'm not mistaken. Both of
0: those games were great
1: and uh, and saved baseball. And that Padres. I, that Padre. I,
3: I tuned into that Padres Cardinals game, and the first thing that came to my eyes was Craig Stammen is starting <laughs> for the Padres. <laughs> he was a washout reliever for the Nationals. Well, hey, turns out he did what he needed to do
0: yeah yeah it's you know who and that in a lot of times in series it's it's who are not it's not the stars a lot of times it's somebody you don't think is going to step up so who is that going to be I'm just glad it gets started and uh and I, I I guess I'm just tap dancing for the next 40 minutes so that I can just walk out of doing this podcast to watching uh to watching the playoffs all right well Mark once again happiest of birthdays to you I had uh I had a lot of stuff planned on that day. Uh I, I had I had friends coming in, I had celebrities who were all prepared uh, to uh to uh and jeff can uh, can agree with me that it, we set this whole thing up we had a we had a cake that was being delivered to you but then wow sadly Virginia. My yes yes absolutely i had i had that yet another that couldn't
1: have happened uh regardless of whether you had your internet
0: or not well it just it all fell apart it just I the understand. plans didn't happen as well i had i had yet another bottle of my expensive scotch that i was going to let you drink most of all of those things w- <laughs> uh were going to happen and they didn't, but. uh uh, happiest of birthdays. It was, it, as mentioned, it was a, uh, it's one of those milestone birthdays, which oddly, I mean, you know, anytime you hit another decade, but you, you're, you're now, I don't, I, I'm not going to hold back. I don't care if you don't like it. You're 60 years old now. What's it like? It's, it's a trip, man. It's is trip. it? It is a bit, a bit of a
1: trip. You know, if you think about it, cause you just don't think of yourself that way. No, you know, I still you, think of myself as like 30 uh, yeah, exactly. And and uh, you know, fifty didn't matter, didn't seem as big a deal as like, ah, whatever, fifty. You know, forty was like, ah, kind of cool at 40, actually, it was fun to turn 40. Um, but 50 was like, nah, and then but 60 is like Yee, ye, yeah. He, he, ye. <laughs> yeah, if you, but this at is the like- same time, maybe not. You know what? The, the life life could begin at 60. Joe Candelora, our very good friend, told me life begins at sixty. And, yeah. uh, called me a spring chicken when I wished him a happy birthday yesterday, by the way, our good friend Joe Candelora. And he's, so, uh, you know, we had birth- He's way up above he's that. He's, un-
0: he's, he's 110. So wow, he's doing very awesome. well. Thank him for yeah. his service in the. Spanish American war (laughs) in the first in the first world. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Well, anyway, happy birthday. Uh, Hopefully I'll we'll we'll hook up soon and I'll let you drink some more of my uh, expensive scotch. Uh, Sure. That's it. We're still in the middle of it. I I, I have to tell you, I I made a comment last night doing a doing a show that uh, there's a Stephen Wright joke that says uh, uh, if it wasn't for time, everything would happen at once. And it honestly, and honestly, seems with what's going on in the world, yeah. and the fact that every single sport is playing at the same no, time. Seriously, that's it, just it's, nuts. It's bizarre. I'm for, I forgot that the the Lakers and the Heat were on last night. Yeah. I'm watching football and I'm thinking about, you know, and, and I, and I'm thinking about the baseball player, the baseball players. And all of a sudden I get a crawl on the bottom of the screen. They're in the third quarter. I'm like, eh, we're going to dial into this one for a little bit, for gosh sake. So if it wasn't for time, everything would happen at once. And it certainly is in 2020. Except in 2020. Yes. In 2020, there has been no time. <laughs> all right. For Jeff Taylor, Mark Ferreira, I am John Pelkey. Thank you for listening to After Further Review. We will be back on Wednesday. We'll unpack Major League Baseball playoffs. We'll talk more about the NBA. We'll look forward to the week coming up. Uh, We will exalt in the fact that the Patriots upset the Kansas City Chiefs tonight and that the the Hoyer era in New England begins today. (laughs) Quarterback controversy in New England. (laughs) Why not? Why not? What if he goes out and throws six
1: touchdowns? Or
0: beats something. the Chiefs, you know.
1: Would you be this. that
3: surprised? Would you, you know. be that
0: terror? I wouldn't be shocked by anything at this point.
1: No, I'm not shocked
0: by anything. I'm not shocked by anything anymore.
1: Be shocked that, if it, the Jets win a game. That
0: might shock me at this point.
1: Possibly, possibly. We'll see. Sam, Sam Darnold's career, probably. It, if even if the Dodgers get beaten by the Mar, if the Marlins beat the Braves and then go on to beat the Dodgers, you know, a team that was basically 500 beating the behemoth Los Angeles Dodgers, I would be pleased. One, <laughs> I would be very surprised, too.
0: But would I be shocked? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the Marlins, too. It is the Marlins. So honestly, I don't even know why you need to be surprised. It's 2020, and it's the Marlins. And so. it's the Dodgers not winning and a championship in a year that they should. And Maybe and the Marlins should be favored. I right. would take the Marlins in that series. If, as long as they get by the Braves. That's the key. That's <laughs> all the Marlins have to do is get that's by it. the Braves. Only one more series. Now, they've done it before. They've gotten by the Cubs. They've gotten by the Braves. Yeah. So. Yeah, they absolutely would, though the Braves have not been scored on in the playoffs yet. I know, it's pretty fun to see right now. Have not been scored. And Ian Anderson, good Lord, I loved him with Jethro Tull, and what a pitcher. Very, very nice. A little overrated with Jethro Tull, I didn't think exactly oh, that. Oh, Thick player. as a Brick, go back and listen to it. Great song. Aqualung, come on, Mark. No, they're fine, they're fine, iconic songs, they are, but they, they, don't, they don't age well in my, in my mind. All right. Well, you would know about aging in your mind. So there we are. For- I would know about not aging well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There it is. Not aging well. This has been After Further Review. We'll talk to you on Wednesday, everybody. <laughs>